a little bit on you today. Um, before I jump into this sermon series, I wanted to just read you an email that I received this week um, related to the gifts, the, the Christmas dinners that you guys bought uh, last Sunday. A number of you went out from here, went to various stores, piled a box full of Christmas dinner fixings together and brought it over to Three Kings. I got an email from Melissa Fitzgerald. Um, she is the, the head of uh, Parents for Peace up in Ferguson um, who put this whole thing together and then Julie Johnson brought it to us. And Melissa said this. She said, I am speechless. With your generous donations and the cash box donations, we will have 81 boxes of food uh, for Christmas. She says that is double our original goal. She said, in August, I prayed for God to make me an instrument of his peace. I love that. She didn't even know that we had this series going on. She said, an instrument of his peace. He is faithful. We are all doing that together. Uh, She said, uh, today I handed over a box to a family of five that lost everything in a fire last week in a home they were renting. They had no rental insurance. Another family that I gave a box to will be celebrating their first Christmas without their mom who passed away in May. The youngest child is in first grade. They have struggled to keep a roof over their heads and keep, and keep their gas on. Each box you collected represents a family that will feel God's love with every bite of Christmas dinner they will share this year. Amen? Way to go, you City Family Church. I am so thankful and proud of the generosity and the heart of this congregation to not only come in here and enjoy this, the, the worship and enjoy the preaching, but you guys take it out. You take it out of this house and take it out on the streets and spread the peace and the love and the joy of God all around this community. And I think that's what we're here for. So I am totally, totally excited and proud of this congregation. Um, so we're, we're finishing this series um, uh, called Silent Night. And this whole series has been about peace. Um, and the reason we're spending so much time on it is that this is the season where there's this promotion of peace, like on the card, the gift cards that we get, Christmas cards, peace on earth, we see that, right? Or in the songs, uh, sleep in heavenly peace. And there's this whole sense of peace in, you know, in the commercials and in the uh, greeting cards and in the songs. But in our hearts, during this particular period, there's often a great sense of unrest and lack of peace. This is a time of great distress for people. Uh, It's a very, very difficult time for a whole lot of people. Uh, And so I just felt like, you know, let's dig into what it means to have peace. Um, I don't know if you've been shopping or trying to, you know, get into, you know, the Galleria. We went there the other day, tried to find a parking space, took us about an hour. My boys and I ended up singing songs about parking spaces. We, like, started making up songs. Um... And I saw a picture the other day, and I totally empathized with this guy. He's like, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to park right here. I'm going to run in real quick. I'm going to run back out. Boom. That's how I, that's how I feel. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in 1937, uh, Winston Churchill was trying to convey to the British elites the... Um, the danger that the Nazis posed, because early, you know, early before uh, World War uh, II, there was a, there was this sense that they, that, that the Nazis wanted to convey uh, that they were a peaceful movement. In fact, he tells the story at a dinner party about a, a display that they had at the Berlin Zoo, and at this display, 
they had, in this cage, they had a lion and they had a lamb. And they were trying to evoke this image of this is the period that we're ushering in peace where the lion and the lamb, you know, are together. Uh, and somebody, a, a British uh, visitor to the zoo, asked him, said, how did, you, how did you get such a lion, you know? And the zookeeper said, it's not the lion that's the problem. It's the lamb. We have to find a new lamb every morning to put into the cage. So they were trying to, they were trying to convey a sense of peace, but it wasn't real peace. And I think that that's, that's, that can be us at this time. We're around family. We're at church. We're with friends. We put on the mask of everything's cool, everything's okay, everything's good, right? But inside, we experience a lot of turmoil. And I, I titled this sermon, uh, Peace in the Present, because if you notice, most of our unrest, most of our lack of peace, most of our, the disruption to our peace does not relate to the present moment. Most of it relates to something from the past or something in the future. Like right now, in this building, right here, right now, in this moment, there is nothing physical, there is no physical threat to disrupt our peace. Like right here, right now, right? Like we're, we're, we're well fed, right? If, you, if you're not well fed, we got bagels, we got cream cheese. Right in the back, go get yourself well fed, right? We've got shelter over our heads. There's, there's no rain, there's no cold, right? Um, we're well rested. Uh, these seats are very comfortable. If you're not well rested, you know, you could just take an opportunity here to just get well rested. Some people do that from time to time. I, if you were here our first service, I was very nervous. I hadn't preached before, maybe like once as a teenager. Uh, and I was coming and I was trying to preach this sermon. And I was like, Is anybody, like, am I making sense? Is anything working here? And I looked down about the second or third row. There was a woman that was sacked out. I mean, she was leaning. She wasn't nodding. She was leaning in the aisle, leaning, like at some point I thought she was going to tip and roll out, and we're going to have to get some ushers, but I'm like, you know what, peace, peace upon her. Um, so there's nothing right here, right now, that disrupts our peace. Most of our distress, if you think about it, most of your distress, most of your anxiety, most of your unhappiness, most of your unrest relates to something that's unresolved in your past or something that's uncertain about your future. Most of your unrest relates to an unresolved past or an uncertain future. What, you, you may be asking yourself, you can put that slide up, Michelle. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did they do that to me, right? This causes, why did I do that to them? Or maybe you're thinking about you know, the future, what's going to happen to me? What, what is my career going to be like? Will I find love? Will I have children? Will I be a success? Will I go broke? Will I get in an accident? You know, you, our unrest relates to two periods that are other than the period that we're experiencing right now. And so if we're going to find true peace and experience true peace, we need to find a peace that resolves our past, right, and secures our future. We need a peace that will transcend the present moment, that will also address the unrest from our past and from our future. So let me talk just a moment about the, the, the lack of peace that we experience from our past. Because one of the major categories of our lack of peace from the past 
is from personal regrets. Personal regrets. Anybody have anything in your life that you think, you know what, I could have actually probably done a little bit better on that. I probably should have done it a different way. Anybody? Nobody? Yeah, a couple. Yeah. I was thinking this week about the Chicago Bears, you know, and uh, uh, Jay, uh, Jay Cutler. Anybody follow NFL? They, they signed Jay Cutler to the largest contract in NFL history, $126.7 million over seven years. Jay Cutler now leads the league in interceptions. So somebody on the Chicago Bears, you know, uh, corporate board is going, nah, it wasn't, wasn't a great idea. Somebody's losing sleep over that. Or maybe, maybe your regret is a serious one. I listened to uh, a radio, um, uh, it was on, on uh, This American Life, a guy named James Spring who wrote a, 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 a sort of radio um, uh, episode about an experience that he had as a young man. He, he grew up in a home uh, he was nine years old, and he remembers really vividly that when he was nine years old, he had a little brother named Kevin who was four years old. And they grew up in a home with a stepdad who was extremely physically abusive to them. And James tells this story about how when he was, there was a moment when he was a kid where his stepfather, uh, in a rage, pushed the four-year-old uh, up against a wall, his little brother Kevin. And it it cut the uh, the little boy's forehead and he started bleeding and he had to go get stitches and the whole family went to the hospital and James is recounting this story on, on, on the radio and he says he says they get to the hospital and the doctors came and they came into the room and they asked the stepdad they said what happened to this little boy and the stepdad said oh he tripped and fell so then they turned to the mom and they said what happened to the little boy and she said you know, the company line, he tripped and he fell. And he said, then the doctor turned to him, nine-year-old boy, and said, what happened to your little brother? And he said, you know, it was like in that moment, he's having to make a decision. And out of fear uh, and, you know, all of the abuse that he had suffered, he said, he tripped and fell. And that's what happened. And 40 years, this guy lived with a deep sense of regret and remorse because all of his life, uh, as a young boy, he had not been able to step in and step up and protect his little brother, and he just carried that guilt with him. Even though we look back and go, you were nine, bro. You were a little kid, man. You can't can't carry that. He carried this, and he he took himself away, ended up uh, having a whole lot of problems in life, and he's sort of finally come back around. But but he carried that guilt and that remorse. King David in Psalm says, uh, Psalm 38, he says, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Some of you today are carrying remorse and regret and pain from your past, things that are in you, things that you have done and you have never forgiven yourself for. And you're holding on to those. And you may not even know it. But sometimes they'll rise up and you'll hear your own voice condemning you. And saying, you're guilty. You shouldn't have done that. Why did you do that? I can't believe that you did that. Maybe your wounds from your past are not things that you did. But maybe they were things that were done to you. So, so, so the unrest from your past relates to personal wounds. You've lost somebody that you love. You've been hurt by someone that was supposed to protect you. 
You've been neglected by someone. You felt abandoned. Something has happened that you don't understand for yourself, and you just carry it. You either carry it or you bury it. Some of us bury it, right, and it's just sort of underneath everything. Some of us carry it. I I was on a plane uh, on my way to California a couple years ago. I sat next to a guy. He asked me, you know, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm 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 a pastor. Um, and he said, we got into this, you know, when you say that on a plane, it's like, there's going to be a conversation. You want to, you want to say, um, <laughs> you want to say, you know what, I'm a salesman and I'd like to pitch you on something, but, but I'm going to do that next time. Um, but you know, if you say you're a pastor, then people are like, okay, let's talk, let's talk about this. Um, and this guy recounted this story of, uh, how he lost his faith. He said that he had grown up as a Christian. His father was a God-fearing man, loved God, was a great man, a good father, a good role model. And then his father passed away, and he said he just couldn't resolve in his mind why a loving God would take away this good man before his time. And he said, I've lost my faith. I'm no longer a believer because I've never been able to reconcile that. He's carrying a wound from his past. Uh, Psalm uh, 13 says, how long, Lord, this is David, how long will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long uh, must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day, have sorrow in my heart? How long? Some of us are carrying around wounds from our past that just won't let go of us that we can't ever seem to shake. And when we shake it momentarily, they just come back. They come back. So that's, that's the unrest from our past. Some of us are experiencing that, but, but some of us are experiencing unrest related to the uncertainty and the worry and anxiety and concern about our future. Uh, and one of the ways that we worry about our future is we worry about external circumstances, things that may happen to us, that are outside of our control, things over which we have no control, things that we, uh, we can't avoid. What if somebody attacks you? What if you're falsely accused? What if you're wrongfully terminated from your job? What if your kids don't turn out like you hoped they would? What if your spouse leaves you? What if your, your friends turn on you? What if you get in an accident? What if you go broke? I mean, you can, you can work yourself into a, a, a great sense of anxiety and unrest when you're thinking about the uncertainty of your future. You may have heard the story of the guy who goes into the doctor, and he tells the doctor, he says, you know, doctor, sometimes I feel like a wigwam, and sometimes I feel like a teepee. And the doctor said, I know what your problem is. You're too tense. <laughs> and um, all right, I, I just had to put that in there. Because I know some of you are like, you're like, man, this is heavy. I need, I need a break. If your friend faded out, explain that to them, will you? Just take, just take a moment. Let's make a note in your bulletin. Man, my wife is not going to, she's going to come down on me for that one. She's going to be like, that was not, that was not funny. So, so, so we, we experience this unrest because we're worried about our future. Psalm 22 says, trouble is near. And there is no one to help. I am poured out like water, and all my, bo- my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. David is saying, I'm, I am just worried about 
the future. I'm worried about my enemies that are surrounding me. I'm worried about the things that could happen to me. I'm worried about all of the ex- external circumstances that I don't have control over. Other people are less worried about that, but they're worried about themselves. They're worried about failing themselves, a personal failure in the future. What if I blow it? What if I screw up? What if I blow it? My, my life is co- totally messed up. He, I, I read an article, uh, this is several weeks ago, a guy named John Siebling, who's a pastor, uh, and he planted a church, kind of like we planted a church, and they were two years into it, and he, he said that he felt like God had told him that, that they were going to have this Easter service, and hundreds of people were going to come to this Easter service, right? They're a brand new baby church. And he said, and, and, and he felt like uh, that there were going to be 30 people come to the, the front at the end of service and commit their life to Jesus and, like, make that decision to follow Christ. And so he started training. I mean, they, they just had a small church. They were only, like, 35 or 40 people at the church total, okay? Um, and so he starts training his people to be, you know, the uh, prayer workers at the front. And he trained 30 people, you know, like, here's how you pray with somebody. Here's how you lead somebody to Christ. And here's how you, you know, talk to them about salvation and all this kind of, so he trains all these people, right? It's Easter Sunday. He's thinking it's going to be this massively huge service. A grand total, including kids of 70 people came to the church that, that Easter, 70 grand total. And yet he's like, I'm charging forward. I know, you know, and he, he has this sermon and it's just this, you know, he's going for it. At the end of the sermon, he says he invites his 30 prayer workers to come up. Well, the kids have already gone to Sunday school. You know, so there's only like 55 adults total. Uh, 30 of them are now across the front. And the other ones are like regulars. I mean, they're just like regular. So, but he's still charging forward and he says, you know what? And so, so he decides to have this altar call and he says, you know, if you haven't given your life to the Lord, if you want to find Christ, if you want Jesus in your life, then come forward right now. You know, and there's 30 people standing here waiting, and nobody came forward. Not one person, right? Because, I mean, it was just their group. And he just said he was totally disheartened. He completely felt like he blew it. He f- completely felt like his congregation would no longer trust him. He completely felt like he had just didn't hear from God, and, and what am I going to, should I just give up? Am I just like crazy, right? And he didn't then, going forward, want to, he, he was afraid to cast vision going forward because he said, what if I blow it again? What if I miss it again? We all struggle with this. We all struggle with this concern about how will I do in the future, not just the external circumstances. How will I, how will I perform? Uh, in Romans 7, Paul says, I have the desire uh, to do what is good, but for some reason I cannot carry it out. I read this a few weeks ago. He says, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This is what I keep on doing. Some of you can relate to that. You go, you know what? I keep trying to do good, right? But I, I, try, I try to enter into a, a good relationship, and then I sabotage it. I start to get a good job or pursue a good job, and then I blow it somehow, right? I start to pursue my passion, but then somehow it falls away, right? I try to get healthy, but I, you know, I keep messing up. And so you end up, you know, being afraid that you'll, you'll never, you'll never pull off what you want to pull off. You'll never accomplish what God has put in your heart. And so you fear that and it, and it creates this, this unrest. The, the redemptive part about John Siebling's story, the, the, the pastor, 
is that this last Easter, they had 730 people come forward and give their life to the Lord. So, you know, he just kept his hand at the plow. He stayed faithful, you know. Um, so we need, we need a peace. We need a source of peace that can address all of this past, the wounds and the regrets of our past, right, and the concerns and worries and anxieties of our future. We need that kind of a peace if we're going to have true abiding peace in our life. I'm going to read you a Christmas passage that almost never gets read at Christmas, uh, but it, it's in Luke chapter 2, and it's right after the part that always gets read. This, this passage takes place about 40 days after Jesus was born. Let me read you this passage. When, when the parents, uh, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus, they were bringing him into the temple. Simeon, Simeon was a priest at the temple. Simeon took Jesus in his arms, the little baby, and he praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. You may now dismiss your servant in peace. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation. He said, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. A light for the Gentiles and a glory for your people. What's really interesting about this is that the Bible says that this priest Simeon had been waiting his whole life for this Messiah to come. And what I think is amazing and fascinating and brilliant, if you've got to pull it out of this passage, is that he says, now, right here in the present time, you can dismiss your servant. In other words, I can die in peace now. Why? Because I've seen the light of your salvation. I've seen the hope for the future, the hope, the light, the revelation to the Gentiles. That's the Romans, the Greeks, the Jews, the Africans, the Europeans, the Asians, the everybody. We've seen, we've seen the future that you have. For your, for, your, uh, for your world and the glory of your people Israel, the people that, from your early covenant, the people with whom you initially covenanted, you're going to bring comfort and consolation and peace to that people. Jesus is the peace of the present because Jesus, the gift of Jesus, that's the miracle of Christmas, is that he comes to redeem your past to totally, completely redeem your past, and he comes to secure your future. So when you are tied up in knots about fear and dread and regrets and mistakes and and things that you have done in your past, Jesus comes to say, I've come to resolve that. I've come to clear that. My job coming to earth is to bring peace to your past, to resolve that, to wipe it off the slate. And I've also come to secure your future. I've come to give you strength and assurance and peace about where you are going in your life because I'm the God that's got it all under control. I'm a sovereign God. I'm a providential God. And so you don't have to worry about your future. So how can we experience that kind of peace that, that redeems our past and secures our future. I'm going to give you three points uh, today, and I just these are just going to be helpful principles that you can pray about and think about. If you've got a pen, you can write these down. The first one is this. Stop trying to earn your forgiveness. <laughs> really quiet on that one. Don't try to earn your forgiveness. 
You cannot earn your forgiveness. You cannot redeem your own past. You cannot undo it. You can apologize. You can, you can try to make amends. You can do all that, and that's good, and you should do that. But you can't undo the things that you've done, and you cannot undo the things that have been done to you. Don't try to seek your own forgiveness. Don't try to earn it. We, we, we desperately want to do this. This, is, this, is, this. this creeps into every part of our religiosity, right? We, my son, we have this little thing. I don't know if you've seen these. Some of you parents probably know these. Elf on a shelf. Anybody seen this? It's crazy, all right? The, 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 you buy this little elf. My, my mother-in-law bought this for us. Um, and you buy this little elf, and the elf sits on the shelf. And the idea is the elf is watching the little kids. And if the little kids mess up, the elf is going to fly back to Santa and tell Santa, you messed up, and you're not going to get any gifts. I mean, it's terrible. But my kids love it, right? Because they just love it. Because, they, In fact, if I like, don't hang up my coat or I drag mud in the house or whatever, or something like that, Jameson's like, Dad, let's... It's like, hello. We just, we just, and we bring this in to our religiousness, right? So many people think of the Christian faith as a balancing act between your good and your bad deeds. I'm going to, I've done X, Y, and Z bad stuff, right? So now I need to tip the scale and I need to come over and bring in some good stuff, right? So people think of this image when they think of, uh, of the Christian faith. You got my bad over here, but if I can just outweigh it with my good, then, then I'm good, right? If this, was the, if this was the teaching, the doctrine of the Christian faith, this would, be, this would be our logo. This would be the logo of the Christian faith. This isn't the logo of the Christian faith. This is the logo of the Christian faith. You see, it's not, it's not the scale. It's not the good versus the bad. It's that Jesus came, hung on a cross, died for you to redeem you from all of your past. You cannot earn your forgiveness. First Timothy 1 says, uh, even though, this is Paul, even though I was once a blasphemer and a, per, and a persecutor and a violent man, he said, I was shown mercy. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You cannot earn it. Don't try to earn it. Let that go today. If you want to experience true, true peace, stop trying to be good enough to get into God's good favor. Number two, let God heal the wounds of your past. Let him heal the wounds of your past. Uh, this is one of the great joys of our faith is that we serve this God who is all-powerful, who hangs the stars, who puts the clouds in the sky, and yet he has a personal love, unique, personal, specific love for you. Scripture says that uh, he was bruised for our uh, iniquities. He, 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 the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Psalm 147 says he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. He brings healing into your life. Let him bring healing in to your life. And then this is the last point I want to give you today. Trust God with the uncertainty of your future. Let, let him forgive your past. Let him heal your past wounds and then trust him with the uncertainty of your own future because it is uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen to you. You don't know where you're going to land. You don't know if somebody's going to hurt you. You don't know if you're going to get sick. You don't know any of this. But God is calling us to trust him and trust that he works all things together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purposes. 
My, my boys love this game that we play. It's called sack of potatoes. And what they do is my boys, they will like lay down on a blanket. And then I pick up the corners of the blanket. And then I pick up the whole bundle. And then I put it over my shoulder like this. And then I call them a sack of potatoes. That's the whole game. <laughs> it's very easy to entertain at my house. Uh, and then I'll carry them around with this sack like this. And they just go crazy for it, right? It's dark in there. They don't know where they're going. They can't see. But here's what they know. Dad's not going to drop me. Dad's not going to drop me. And that's the exciting part. I don't know exactly where I'm going, but I know Dad's got me. I know I'm going to be okay. It's dark in here. I can't see where I'm going all the time, but I know Dad's got me, right? Dad's got you. Dad's got you. Your Father in Heaven has got you. You might not know where you're going all the time. You might not know exactly what your future is, but you serve a God who's got you. He's not going to drop you. He's got you. Look look at Proverbs. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him or submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. My prayer for you this Christmas is that you will experience the genuine, deep, abiding peace of Christ in your own life and in your own heart. That when you're struggling with finances or struggling with family or struggling with kids or struggling with past relationships or struggling with old wounds, old regrets or future anxieties, future worries, you will put your trust in God who is the Prince of Peace, who's the, who's the, the peace of the present and who is here to redeem your past and he's here to secure your future that you will put your trust in him and that you will experience that peace for yourself and you will take that peace out and share that with your mom and your dad and your brother and your sister and your cousins and your friends and your colleagues and your peers and just spread it around our community and let's bring let's 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 make peace on earth let's make real peace on earth amen let's bow our heads heavenly father we come to you today and during this Christmas season there are so many who are not experiencing your peace who are not experiencing the joy of your salvation who are struggling with old wounds and old regrets who are struggling with anxieties and fears about the future they're struggling with family relationships they're struggling with uh, issues with their spouse or with their kids they're struggling on their job struggling at school, and there's a lot of uncertainty and unrest. Unrest in our community and unrest across our nation and in our world. But God, we ask today that you shine the light of your peace inside of us, that we would be like Simeon, the priest in the temple, who says, we can have peace now because we've seen you for who you are. You're the Messiah, the Christ, who's come to redeem our past, and has come to secure our future. And so we rest in you today. And not only do we rest in you personally and do we enjoy and accept the peace that you have to give us, but we then take that out of this, these four walls, out of this auditorium, and we shed that peace and we share that peace with every person that we meet. Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory. We worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.